Welcome to the One Aaron Show. I am Aaron Bontrager. I'm with my co-host, William Kramer. We cover local sports, including the Northern Indiana Conference and the Northern Lakes Conference, plus teams in St. Joe and Elkhart Counties. We are recording our 46th episode on June 29th, 2023. Will, how are you doing? Aaron, I'm doing great. It's been a wonderful week, full of basketball and summer school, uh, and uh, I can't complain. How about you? It's good. We uh, finished our little patio project, so that feels good to get that done. Nice. I'm excited for our show. We got a friend from college and had a good conversation with him. And I'm also excited for high school basketball. I know that that, that's down the road, but I like our little top 10 list. Yeah, we got the way too early top 10 boys basketball teams. Uh, I know people are going to be uh, <laughs> intrigued to see what the top 10 is. They're probably going to disagree with us, but that's okay. Uh, but we just do it for fun. But, uh, yep, we got a lot of great things on our show coming up. And uh, how about Goshen City FC? What about that? Well, well, the first year ends against Chicago Nation FC, kind of in similar fashion with the 0-3 loss. You know, the first half, Chicago Nation really uh, possessed the ball for much of the first half. They had more of the scoring chances. But give Goshen credit, they hung tough. They had a corner opportunity late in the first half, but they couldn't capitalize. Yeah, their defense, Goshen City's defense, played really solid to keep the match 0-0 at half. Got to watch the first half. You know, you got to give a lot of credit to Goshen. They were the underdog coming in. They played really hard and battled. However, in the second half, uh, Chicago Nation's attack broke through on a couple breakaway goals early in the second Half, you know, coming into this match, um, Chicago Nation FC had one of the top leading scorers in the UPSL, and they hadn't lost a match all year. So they were the favorite, and they would claim the UPSL Midwest Central Division Championship, and their team will move on to the round of 16 of the USPL Premier National Tournament. You know, not the result Goshen City and us fans were hoping for or wanted, but this team really represented Goshen well. You know, what a great first year for this club. They finished in second place in their division. They made the 32-team national tournament. Coach Bourne and his team have a lot to be proud of as well of Goshen City fans. Well, Aaron, uh, that's really fascinating about the Goshen City FC. Thanks for all the good reporting there on that. Um, let's move on to topic number two, titled The Way Too Early Top 10 Boys Basketball Teams. Now, for people that don't know, the most high school teams around here finish their season in the offseason, which is the whole month of June. A lot of, a lot of basketball stuff going on, practices, Teams can play games and tournaments or leagues or whatnot. Uh, so now we're at the end of June. Uh, we're going to do a way too early top 10 list. So let's start with number one. And these are just our coverage area teams. So Northern Indiana Conference, 
Northern Lakes Conference and high school teams in St. Joseph and Elkhart counties. Number one is 10 High School. They're fresh off of winning the state title. I'm sorry. They're fresh off of competing in the semi-state last year. Obviously, Mr. Basketball, Marcus Burton's leaving and a lot of other good seniors there. But uh, I, I saw them practice this June. I also saw them play in the Charlie Hughes tournament, Aaron. And they played some good teams in the Indianapolis mm-hmm. area. Uh, and although they went one and three, and the three losses were competitive. Now, the fourth game they played, uh, their guard, Ethan Good, got hurt in the first half, a starter. Uh, so that kind of did not help uh, things for them. But a couple of key players for them, Dominic Bonner, six foot three. He's a 2024, will uh, be a senior. Uh, he is a really good driver for them. He can make threes if he's open. Um, and he's going to have to be the guy. I mean, if you remember last year, he was, uh, he came off the bench, mm. maybe as the sixth or seventh man in the rotation. Uh, but he's going to be asked to do a lot of things this year for the Penn Kingsman boys basketball team. Uh, athletic. He's probably a, a better football player than basketball. I've been hearing that he'll probably play college football. But I think he could also play college basketball. He's going to have to do a whole lot for them. Uh, this team, uh, not as talented as last year individually, but as a whole, very tough team. They play hard. They're smart. Uh, Alex Hawthorne, remember that name. He's, he's going to be a rising junior. Last year, he shot 40% from threes. Uh, and he is a very good floor uh, a stretch floor guy, catch and shoot, knock down the three ball. Um, so a dominant Alex, uh, really like their point guard, Ethan Good. Uh, he's 5'10. He's a 2025, uh, guy. Uh, but he just, he's a high motor guy, very smart, good floor general, uh, won't try to do too much, kind of plays with himself. Um, and he's just one of those guys that you kind of trust to be out on the court. Um, he's not going to hurt you. He's going to help you more than hurt you. Uh, I really like Ethan. I think he's a good player, solid player. So Maverick Brown, he'll be a contributor uh, for the Kingsmen. Again, uh, not going to be a huge stats guy, but a good role player, play hard. So when I look at this um, this roster here, uh, I have the number one. Barely number one ahead of uh, the next team. Uh, but until proven otherwise, I think they're just a little bit better than everybody else at, at this point uh, in, in the year. Yeah, and Coach Kuhlman era begins. We'll see him put his stamp on the Penn Kingsman. Absolutely. And as we've already documented uh, the successful career he's had, uh, and we're all excited to see what he does in year one at Penn High School. So, our way too early top 10 boys basketball high school. We start off with Penn High School at the first spot. Now let's move on to the second spot. And uh, this was close. Like you could put Riley, you could put Riley High School at number one. And I think a lot of people will be okay with that. And here's the reason why. If you look at Riley High School, uh, they've got a kid named Peyton Baird. He's 6'6. 
uh, going to be a rising senior. He's already got offers from Bethel, um, I believe Goshen as well. I could be wrong there, uh, but I know for sure two NEIA Crossroads teams have offered him. Uh, he, he's going to get more offers uh, as the year progresses. Um, he's athletic, um, bouncy. Uh, he can shoot the ball. He can drive the ball. He's a decent rebounder. Uh, he's going to be a key piece to this Riley Wildcat team. Another guy to look at is the returning leading scorer from last year's team, and that is rising junior Marvin Schindler. Uh, Marvin it, can shoot the ball. You know, that's what he's there for. He's a smaller guard, but he can put the ball through the net. Uh, Coach Daniels is very high on Montrell Northern. They, he thinks that uh, he could be a player for them. And let's not forget about their point guard here, Manny Manny Hill. He's going to be a senior for this next year. Uh, he's a very composed, poised um, uh, guard that can kind of lead uh, the team into – uh, you know, the offense and he understands the offense. He's going to be a key piece to this Riley team as well. So this is a very high offensive minor team and they can play some defense, Aaron. I think this could be a, a dangerous team down the road here. Yeah, I think I saw them in one game last year. They really like to push the ball. So, yeah, I, I think I'm going to be putting them on my teams to watch or stream this year. Absolutely. And fun fact is Riley actually did be pinned this summer. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, granted, uh, Coach Pullman has only been with his players for uh, uh, a short time, uh, which is difficult to do. Um, and you, you never know who's full strength in these summer games. So you got to take these summer games with a light of salt because, you know, you might have a starter out for football or a basketball player that has to, you know, is injured or whatnot. So, but that's still a statement win for Riley, mm-hmm. uh, something that they can give them confidence as players and the coaching staff and say, hey, we beat one of the better teams in our area in high school. So uh, number one, we got Penn. Number two, Riley Wildcats. And number three team is going to be St. Joe High School, the Indians, coached by uh, Eric Gaff. And uh, two names that are going to be very familiar to our local uh, listeners, and that is Chase Kinesi, uh, the uh, All-Stater. Uh, he is 6'5". Um, he can obviously score, uh, probably end up playing, I'm guessing, Division One somewhere, uh, and a big threat on offense. Uh, and then his new teammate, uh, Coach Shrewsbury's son, Nick, he's 6'5", a 2026 grad. Uh, he can put on the floor. Uh, he's got some athletic ability. He can shoot the three ball. Uh, so those two will be a dynamic duo. Then you also can't forget Jace Lee. Now, he hasn't done much in June with the basketball team because obviously he's a very big baseball player going to Notre Dame, potentially even going to the MLB draft, as some uh, are saying. Uh, but if he does play basketball this year, he's very athletic, um, can shoot the three, can drive. Uh, he's a nice player for them. And then you got Brayshawn Woods, a multi-year starter for them. A lefty can, uh, you know, attack the basket, uh, score a little bit, mid-range, post area. He's not going to hurt you. He's going to rebound. He's going to, 
you know, uh, play with themselves. So those four right there puts this team and why I have them as number three in the way too early top 10 for boys basketball, St. Joe High School. Yeah, I think, man, winner and I see some heavyweight battles. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. So we have another NIC team at number four, and this is going to be Marion High School. Coach Berger is very high on this team. He's excited for this uh, inc- uh, this Nets team here uh, for good reason. You might remember uh, uh, Daglin Sullivan. Uh, well, his younger brother, Patson Sullivan, uh, according to his father, uh, maybe the most athletic in his family. Uh, so he look out for him this year to kind of break out of the, his shell and uh, to make a big splash uh, for this next season. Patson Sullivan, very athletic, uh, quick, shifty guard that can take it to the rim. Uh, can shoot threes. Another guy from Marion is Zion Rhodes. He's six foot four. Um, he is just a solid, well-rounded uh, player. Can rebound, can score down in the post, uh, and uh, he's not going to hurt you type player. Uh, a couple other guys to to look at here. Six foot five, uh, Elias Norgard. Uh, he's actually an international player. I want to say, I think from Norway. I, I could be saying it wrong. Uh, but he is going to have a breakout year for Marion. Uh, I think he's going to be a, a solid player for the Knights. Uh, also look out for Deuce Owens, um, Jordan Moss, Jackson, and Prescott Horvath. All those guys will contribute to the Marion Knights this coming up, upcoming season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching Coach Berger's team as well. Got some international talent on there. Man, I'm I'm already excited for winter basketball. But I, I want to pump the brakes a little bit. I want to enjoy summer, of course, and the football right. season. But this is getting me excited. Yeah, absolutely. Now, some of you are wondering, what about where's the love for the NLC schools? Well, hold on. We're going to get to that here. Number five on our way too early top 10 boys basketball teams. We can't forget about Coach Wolf and the Northwood Panthers. Uh, of course, they got Tyler Raj coming back. He's going to play a big role for the uh, Panthers here. Uh, I think he's going to have a breakout year. really do. Uh, Ethan Wolf, uh, coaching son, uh, very solid, very smart, can shoot the three. Uh, uh, kind of orchestrates the offense, if you will, the floor general. Uh, he's going to be in command of that offense and get uh, get his teammates where they need to be. Um, I saw them play a, a couple of times at the Charlie Hughes tournament. Uh, they played well, uh, be a very athletic uh, team down there in Tindley High School and Indianapolis area team. Uh, so, you know, uh, with the dynamic duo, uh, Rosh and Wolf, and a couple of their other role players there, this could be another solid year for Coach Wolf. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Will. I think, like you mentioned, Tyler Rosh, probably one of the more intriguing players this year in the NLC and maybe even in our coverage area. So I'm looking forward to seeing how his game grows, how how he handles a new role of kind of being probably their, their – uh, first option on offense so 
yeah, Coach Wolf's guys will be ready to go. We got a lot of players probably wanting to show what they got too. So looking forward to watching them play again. Absolutely. And you got to figure in that the experience that they got from that tournament run last year will factor in with mm-hmm. those returners as well. Number six. Uh, you know what? Three through seven or eight, you could really interchange all these teams. I mean, uh, as one local high school coach told me today, uh, the parity next year is going to be unbelievable compared to last year. I mean, mm-hmm. last year, the top two or three or four uh, were kind of on their own island, if you will. But uh, th- these teams all could be interchangeable. Uh, we're very, very close. Uh, so number six is Warsaw Tigers with Coach Moore. Uh, you know, Warsaw has a big, he's a rising senior, Luke Yeager. He's six foot nine forward center. Uh, can uh, shoot threes, can score inside, uh, rebounds well. Uh, he's going to end up playing uh, college somewhere, I'm assuming. Uh, he's also a baseball player, so multi-athlete, good kid. Um, he's going to be a big factor into what Coach Moore and, and the Warsaw Tigers do next year. Another, uh, they got a couple of guards here. Lucas Breaker, very good three-point shooter. He's six foot three. He's a 20-25 kid. Carson Gold, uh, you might remember his older brother from last year's team. Um, uh, he, he was very solid. Uh, now it's time for the younger Car- uh, Gold to kind of his to shine his bright a little more this year, and I think he will. Um, he's also a very smart player. So you look at this squad, uh, you know, I, I was able to watch him at Charlie Hughes. Um, you know, they... Uh, did okay. Um, they had a tough schedule down there, uh, so it's not like they were playing bad teams. Uh, but uh, I think they'll have a solid year in the NLC uh, and competing in the upper echelon of of the conference. There, what do you say, Aaron? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I mean, Coach Moore's teams are usually in the mix when it comes to NLC play. Yeah, I think their junior class this year is going to be the big story i obviously luke yeager's the probably their best player right now but you got trey davis you mentioned bricker and gold and then also brand martin played a lot last year so it'll be interesting to see how that junior class and also yeager kind of make their mark this year kind of similar to northwood you know you got two senior heavy heavy or two bigger players leaving and a lot of players have a chance to step up. So, Well said, Aaron. Uh, let's move on to our seventh team in a way too early top ten. And we're going to stick in the NLC conference here and go with Coach Bender's Mishawaka Cavemen at number seven. Uh, you know, you look at this team, they're going to be led by a couple of players, Rashawn Johnson, Who's going to be a senior? He's six foot two, uh, long, rangy guy, athletic, uh, can put it on the floor, can can make it from uh, make a good perimeter shot, um, finishes around the basket, high energy. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that they're going to really look to uh, 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 help be successful. Uh, another guy is um, 
Brady Fisher, who's obviously a good football player, uh, but he, he's a solid basketball player as well. Um, and then you got the supporting cats uh, there. So, you know, you look at Coach Bender's last three or four years, uh, the success he had at Carroll, the the success he had winning a sectional at Mishawaka last year. I think people are wondering, like, how long can he continue this high success rate? Um, I do think they're probably going to take a little bit step behind uh, from last year's team, but not much. I think they'll be very competitive uh, in the conference. Um, and Coach Bender is a good coach. He'll have his team ready for sectional time. But I got them at number seven, right, right behind Warsaw. Yeah, I agree with you, Will. Some good points there. Coach Bender has a really nice group coming back. I think when I think of Mishawaka basketball, and I think of hard-nosed, they get after you on offense and defense. And I, some players that you mentioned, obviously Johnson and Fisher, are going to be huge this year for them. And then you got some good roller players like Cooper Pritchett. He hustles, gets does a little dirty work. Anthony Nelson and Jackson Snyder, kind of their sharpshooters, and help orchestrate the offense. So I, you know, Mishawaka is going to be a tough team to face again. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you are talking about a coach Bender team, like you said, they're going to hustle. They're not going to be themselves. They're going to block out. They'll be fundamentally sound. Uh, they'll be well coached in a way, right? Uh, so Mishawaka would be a very competitive team. Look at number eight on our way to early top ten, and we're going to go with maybe a surprise team that people don't think of, but a very proud team that has a rich tradition. That is in Concord Minutemen, led by coach Derek Deshaun here. I'll tell you what, Concord went 2-0, at the Charlie Hughes, uh, I was able to see them practice. They got some guys that, although they may not have a star or an elite player, like some of these teams we mentioned, uh, they've got several good pieces uh, to make a very good, solid hole. Uh, and and a couple, couple of those pieces, you got to talk about a rising senior, Braden Messenger. He's, he's a guy that, uh, again, may not stat-wise uh, stand out, but he's going to do a lot of things for this Concord team uh, when it comes to either scoring or rebounding or just making the right play. Very smart player. When I talk to Coach Deshaun, uh, he's very, he keeps repeating the same word, smart, smart. This team is very smart. They run a smart offense, a very, uh, it's a very read and react offense uh, where they have to, see what the defense is doing, and then make a play based on the, what defense is doing. That's not easy to, to do yeah. if you don't have smart players. And I think the, when I looked at their team this summer, uh, their offense is getting better and better, and they're getting more confident in Deshaun's system. Uh, I also think not only Braden, but you look at um, uh, their big, Parker McEwen. Uh, he's nothing flashy, nothing... It doesn't really stand out, but he's very solid. He'll play hard. He'll rebound. He's a great screener. Um, and uh, I think he'll be a solid player for them as well. So, Aaron, I think this Concord team is going to be solid. Uh, probably will uh, spring up on teams and surprise them. I think they're going to be better than what most people think. Me personally, as a fan, I saw it kind of uphand or firsthand in the sectional. 
they took Northridge down to the wire, and honestly, they probably should have won that game. Um, if I can recall some of that, it feels like they should have won, but obviously Northridge made made some timely free throws in that game. But yeah, I agree with you. A lot of solid, versatile players. Um, when, I, when I saw them in that game, that was the first time I saw them all year. They could shoot the ball. They, they know what to do on offense, like you mentioned. So yeah, Concord is a team that I'm really intrigued by, as, a, as you are as well. Yeah, and I forgot to mention uh, uh, Lucas uh, Pru. I think his name is uh, uh, Pro or Pru. Uh, Lucas is another solid player for them. I think he's going to be a big piece of what the Concord does next year as well. Okay, so let's look at number nine. And for our ninth spot in our way to really top ten, we actually have a tie. So we got two teams here. And let's talk about the, the first one, of, uh, and that's Northridge High School. Uh, the Raiders, coached by Coach Radiker. Um, you got to talk about, first of all, Mason Bales. Uh, he's a 6-2 shooting guard, uh, class of 2025. He's going to play a huge role in this offense. He can drive it. He can pull up. He can shoot threes. He's going to have to rebound for them as well because they're not very tall. Uh, but he's going to be a major piece to that. Uh, there's a guard I really like, Gideon Campbell. I think he's just he's a strong, smaller guard, five ten. Um, he doesn't really hurt them. He is a good distributor with the ball. Uh, can find the right person at the right time with the right pass. Um, he and he's smart. Um, and he can knock down an open three. I think he's going to be a, a key piece to them as well. Uh, they also got a tall kid, 6'5", uh, Brady Scholl. Uh, he's, he's going to have to play big for the Raiders down low in the post, uh, and develop his skill set down there for them to have an inside out game. But, uh, watch out for this Northridge Raider team. Uh, may not be the best Raider team they've had in recent years, but they're not going to be bad either. They're, they're going to be in that middle range, uh, very solid. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, I think a lot of it's going to come down to growth and Coach Radiker. It seems like year in, year out, his team gets better each week. So, and another junior guard, Cam Radiker, another step in his game will be crucial as well. Mm-hmm. He's had that experience. Um, like you, Brady Schull, I, I think the biggest takeaway or one of the takeaways I had from watching them in the sectional run, little run they had was Brady Schull, man. He was a freshman out there. He was competing really hard, getting on loose balls. And I, I'm really excited to see, as a Raider alum and fan, see the progress that he makes. Yeah, you know what? You made some good points. And, and I'll say this. Northridge is a basketball school, although the football coach would probably argue that. Uh, but Northridge... Historical is a basketball school. Coach Radiker is a great coach. Um, and uh, they'll be a tough team to face in the session. I really do believe that. Um, but, uh, you know, that NLC, I'm telling you, that NLC is going to be tough this next season. A lot of yeah. good teams in there. Uh, the other team we have at number nine is another NLC school, and that is the Goshen Red Hawks, uh, coached by uh, Wolfer there. Uh, and he's a very solid coach. I, I like him. Uh, and he's got a couple of guys coming back here that are going to play 
um, a big role for the Red Hots. Let's start off with Gage Worthman, the leading returning scorer from last year. He averaged 11 points per game. Uh, he's going to be uh, heavily relied upon on the offensive end. Uh, Ryan Eldridge is also the second leading scorer uh, returning from last year's team. Those two guys will have to play a key role into what Goshen does, Gage and Ryan. There's also a couple other guys I want to mention for Goshen, and that is going to be uh, a, a guy that didn't even play last year because he missed uh, the entire year with the ACL tier, and that's Andre Williams. Uh, he's going to be counting on for production. They got two sophomores in Levi Sawatsky, shooting guard, and Braxton Klein, a point guard. They were both key pieces to last year's 14-win JV team. Uh, should have an impact uh, for the varsity team next year. So we got Goshen at number nine as well. Yeah, I agree with you, Will. Goshen, man, they have some good pieces coming back, and it will be interesting to see those younger players you mentioned, see if they pop for Coach Wolford too. You know, I, I went to their practice and, and saw them practice uh, this June. I uh, had a good conversation with Coach Wolford. Uh, he's excited for this team. Uh, he likes what he's got. Um, and he also agrees that this conference is is very competitive. So uh, will be, it'll be interesting to see how he is able to navigate that schedule and, and how his players, uh, you know, how they do this upcoming season. At number 10, we got going back to the NIC conference here. And South Bend Washington High School with Coach Ryan Varga. Uh, you got to mention Stephen Reynolds, the rising sophomore here. Uh, we already we already talked about Reynolds in the previous episode, uh, but uh, obviously he can score. He's got Division One offers from Toledo, Purdue, um, and I think uh, uh, one or two more other schools. I can't remember. Um, but he sits, sits, can shoot the lights out of the ball. Um, he's going to be asked to do more than shoot the ball though this year. Leadership, rebound, um, and uh, you know, kind of carry this team on his back from a leadership t- uh, standpoint. Another guy to look uh, to is incoming uh, freshman uh, Elijah King. He's a very good scorer as well. Good point guard, uh, athletic. Um, and uh, he's going to probably start as a fresh, true freshman here. Um, he's the guy to look for. Uh, six foot six forward. He's been hurt the last two years. Hasn't really been on the court. Uh, but he's a rising junior. Gabriel Bergen. Uh, he'll provide another scoring option for them. He can rebound. Um, and I believe he just got cleared or is about to get cleared and be back on the court uh, from his injury. Um They've got uh, another freshman that they're very high on, Corey Parker. Now, he didn't do much in the summer because he was hurt. Uh, he's 5'10". Uh, they like Corey, Corey a whole lot. Uh, so this Washington team is very young, mostly freshmen, sophomores. Uh, they do have one senior, Donovan Johnson. I want to mention his name. You know, he'll get some playing time. Uh, he's a guy that can, you know, 
be a good role player. Uh, don't turn the ball over. Score when you're open. You know, attack the rim, make good plays. Uh, but I think he could be a piece of the puzzle next year as well. Yeah, I think Washington's a team that intrigues me with all the talent. I'm going to make sure to stream some of their games or if I can't see them in person for sure. You know, I, you know, this is a team that, uh, quite honestly, uh, it's going to probably struggle early on. Uh, the fact when you, the, the, you have freshman and sophomore on the same court, uh, yes, summer ball is great, uh, but until you're actually in a real game, uh, and you have to go through the lumps and, and the situational stuff. Uh, this team is going to, to take it early on, but when it comes to sectional time, I think there'll be a, a tough out. They might even win a sectional. I don't know if they can go further than that, but I, I think they'll be competitive in their sectional. But the next year, watch out. This Washington team will be very, very tough to beat. Uh, could potentially make a deep run uh, mm-hmm. the following year, but this next year they're gonna have they're just gonna have to learn how to play together. And sometimes you got to take your lumps uh, and, and learn how to play together. So let's recap our way to early top ten here. We got Penn number one, Riley number two, St. Joe three, Marion four, Northwood five, Warsaw six, Mishawaka seven, Concord eight. Northridge, Goshen 9, and Sopin, Washington 10. Topic 3, local high school football talk. Uh, just a reminder, we're going to be picking this up in our next episode. We will have none other than Mishawaka head football coach Keith Kinder joining us. And we are excited to talk with him. So stay tuned for more local high school football talk next week. Well, for our next topic, Aaron, topic number four uh, is a real privilege to have with us Notre Dame Men's Lacrosse Associate Athletics Communications Director Robbie Hammond. Uh, Robbie is a good friend of ours from Bethel University, um, and uh, he's been part of two uh, on staff of two national championships, one at Oklahoma, the other at Notre Dame. Uh, he brings a wealth of experience in his field, uh, what he does, and we're just really excited, uh, uh, Robbie, to have you on our program. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. It's been a while. Absolutely. So uh, you, you've got a long list of places you've been. Uh, we're not going to spend time going through each one, uh, but uh, can you talk to us about some of the highlights of your journey to Notre Dame. Yeah, I can give us a little bit of background. Um, obviously went to Bethel with both of you guys, played tennis there for four years. Interned my senior year, I believe it was, in the sports information department um, back in the day with Jeff Welsh, who was the SID at the time. Uh, then I was out of, when I graduated, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I was out for a year um, just working as a bank teller, just trying to figure out what the next step was. And there was an opportunity to do a GA position at uh, Defiance College for two years. Um, mutual, I think it was family friends. Seth Michael was the SID there. He's now at Taylor, uh, same conference as Bethel. Uh, but I got hired to do a GA there for two years. Uh, 
really learned the profession, learned all the ins and outs of the, especially really the basics. It's great to work at a small university or a college to get uh, the nuts and bolts down. So I did that for two years, earned a master's. And then, uh, and then after that, I got an internship at university of or Penn state university, excuse me, um, for a one year there, moved out to state college. Great experience. Just like, uh, just like the others were, um, and then after that, I was kind of looking for a full-time role, but nothing really stood out when it came time to apply. So I did another uh, one-year internship at University of Oklahoma because they told me I would be able to travel with the football team. And then I got to uh, be the comms director for um, men's gymnastics and rowing, uh, along with helping out with football. So that was a really cool experience. Um, did that for a year. After that, I did a one-year position, first full-time job at Mercer University. Uh, Jordan Bruner, who's from, he also worked at Defiance a um, few years before me as a GA under the same guy. So he hired me on, did that for a year, did men's basketball, men's lacrosse, uh, volleyball, sand volleyball. I'm sure there's something else I'm missing, but a uh, great opportunity there. A lot of great people did that for a year. And then I uh, got uh, hired at Notre Dame and, uh, in that, uh, summer of 2016, fall of 2016. So just finishing up my seventh year here at Notre Dame, um, do men's soccer, men's lacrosse. Um, so yeah, it's been a great ride, but a lot of places, a lot of different people and got to live all over the country. Wow. What a journey. And, uh, the diversity of places you've been at, uh, the experiences you've been able to enjoy, uh, I remember you telling me a story of being in the same room of the legendary Bob Stoops at Oklahoma. I mean, yeah, I worked with Oklahoma football, so I was around. I mean, I didn't like really know Coach Stoops. Our main guy, uh, Pete Morris at the time, really handled most of the interactions with him. But yeah, definitely around that program for sure quite a bit. You get to meet a lot of cool people and be in meetings that you never thought with people you never thought you would growing up. So uh Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I thought growing up at Gymtown that I knew a lot about sports until I met Robbie Hammond at Bethel. And I'm like, this dude knows more about sports than anybody else I know. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I mean, I just watched a lot growing up. But, uh, yeah, I've my my parents always told me that uh, – before I said yes, no, mom or dad, my first word was ball. So it was just kind of ingrained in me from ever since I can remember. Yeah, so um, pretty busy guy with your role. Uh, for people that don't understand the day-to-day, could you maybe take us a little behind the scenes, the things that you enjoy, the things that go on, or the yeah, task or do Yeah, Absolutely. So the great thing about this job is there's so many different things you do. So not every day is really the same. It's more normal, I would say, of a nine to five ish type of job in the summer. But a couple of the main things, which when I got into the profession, it looks really different now from earlier. I mean, now that I've been in it for around 12 years, which is crazy to think about. Uh, but like over the last five to 10 years the evolution of social media has been huge so i do a lot of social media for teams um which with that the way i like to look at social media is recruiting how can i help us Mm -hmm. attract better fan or better 
student athletes and then obviously hope connecting with fans and um and just in general but so a lot of social media um a lot of game notes so what i didn't realize when i was a little kid was when you're watching a a broadcast of a game and you're like man these broadcasters know everything about this team like how do they have all that one they have like a stats research department but also the comms people like me for the team will send them a pack of game notes with all the little stats and tidbits and stuff that you see on TV. So uh, a lot of, during the season, a lot of game notes up like right now in the, in the summer updating media, well, not media guides anymore, but like record books and history and website maintenance. And uh, during the season, we keep track of the stats. We do all the releases, the recaps. We, if anyone ever wants an interview with one of our student athletes or coaches, we connect them with them and kind of coordinate interviews. Um, so yeah, that's a lot of it. We, Obviously, all the press releases on the website, game recaps, all that fun stuff. Oh, and uh, award nominations we usually take care of for all of our student athletes and coaches. But, yeah, just uh, a lot of random stuff. And uh, we wear a lot of different hats, which is cool. Yeah, it seems like you get to be creative and mm-hmm. a lot of the things you do, too. That's cool. Yeah, it's fun. So you just finished up your men's lacrosse season and obviously everybody knows that Notre Dame won the national championship and uh, uh, what a joy and a ride that was. Um, did, I got a couple of questions. Did you know before the season started that the men's lacrosse team had a good chance of becoming national champions? Absolutely. Uh, one of the things to take you back a year further, the men's lacrosse team finished the 2022 season with six straight wins, eight and four, Thought we were going to make the NCAA tournament. Didn't see it. We didn't get our name called on Selection Sunday. The next day, the Inside Lacrosse Media Poll comes out, and I think we're like fourth in the country. So you kind of knew that our guys were going to be, you know, dialed in all year and really locked in. And uh, from the day one, they, or even from the fall ball in the, in the in fall of uh, 22, 2022, you could just tell that they were on a mission. So it's one of those things where like you still have to, you know, show up every day. And there's also, we play a really tough schedule, play a lot of really good teams, but uh, yeah, I'm not surprised by how this year ended up going in general. Uh, the team was really, really good. And we had a lot of really good pieces all the way through. It's probably the most complete team in my seven years since I've been here. So uh, yeah, it wasn't too much of a shocker. Yeah. Um, walk us through the season. Like, what were some of the big moments? Maybe yeah. the key wins. So we started off with Marquette and Cleveland State, and those both win as planned. Both won won both those, I believe, by double digits. And then the third game of the year was Maryland, who was the national champion from last year. They had like a oh, they had lost one game, I guess, prior to us playing them. But still, they're like a top five to ten top five, top 10 team. And we were playing at their place. They had, I think they they had like a 21 or 20, something like that game winning streak at home. I think the last time they'd lost was like 2019. So going to that game, I was really excited to see how we would play. I didn't travel with them on that trip, but we ended up pulling out a crazy win in triple overtime. Uh, and actually that was our fourth game of the year. Sorry. The game before that, we played a pretty good Georgetown team who ended up making the elite eight and we handled them by seven or eight goals. So that was already like, okay, we're probably for real. I mean, I knew we're for real, but like, Oh, we're, we could be really good. And then we beat 
um, Maryland in triple overtime at their place, which was really cool. Um, and after that, it was just kind of full steam ahead. We had two, the only time, the only two losses we had, we finished 14 and two. The only two losses we had were both to Virginia in the regular season. Um, they're really good, but it was exciting to see that we got to play them again in the semifinals and found a way. Wow. So those big wins provided the confidence for the players. Uh, and speaking of players, uh, what were some of the key players on that team? Yeah, as I said earlier, like this team was the most complete team. Uh, if you've watched any lacrosse or followed any lacrosse over the last year or two, you definitely know the name Kavanaugh with Notre Dame. The older brother, Matt, graduated in 2016, the year before, the season before I got here. Well, he's always been known as one of the best players in program history. And his younger brother uh, was a senior. I'm not the youngest, but one of his younger brothers, Pat, was a senior this year on the team. And he's a two-time Tourton finalist, which is the Heisman of lacrosse. Um, kid's unbelievable. So he's really good. His younger brother, Chris, led us in goals. He's unbelievable. He's a He was a sophomore this year. So that tandem was really good. But the guy who stepped up huge in the the championship game, especially, is our goalie, Liam Intamin. He's a senior, but he has another year of eligibility uh, for next year. He's the guy's a brick wall. He won national goalie of the year. He was up through all the publications, a first team All-American uh acc defense player of the year acc goal of the year he had i think in the championship game 18 saves gave up nine goals for lacrosse like unbelievable numbers so uh wow. he was awesome uh we had our midfielder eric dobson was the first team all-american in some of the publications the guys six five two thirty five built like a linebacker but can probably has the hardest shot in lacrosse or if not the like one of the top five hardest shots in lacrosse from distance and he can go right go left he's unbelievable but our defense was great um our middies were unbelievable so yeah just we had pieces everywhere which uh made it fun so the national championship uh the game uh i think it aired on espn if i'm correct correct um what was it like being there, the atmosphere, the game? The, obviously, you guys jumped out to a nice lead. Uh, Duke came back. Um, there was this unbelievable goal uh, that happened. Uh, just walk us through the national championship game. Well, if you want to take it back two days before, the craziest game of the whole run was probably the semifinals against Virginia. That was the team. That, the only team we lost to was Virginia, and we found a way to win in overtime. We were down two goals with like three minutes left and to men, the goalie makes a safe point blank. We go call a timeout, score a goal. Then we go call another timeout. I think it was all, both off timeout scored another goal to level it with them. Like maybe a minute and a half left. Mm -hmm. And then they go and take the lead with 57 seconds left. And we're like, Oh my gosh, all that. We came back, tied it. They took the lead. We win the next face off call a timeout. And then score. So we I messed up one of the timeouts earlier, but we, we score off the timeout from a ridiculous shot from Jake Taylor to tie it and send it overtime. We win the next face off. And then Brian Tablin, a uh, grad student who had won a national championship at Yale, like goes down, win gets the game winner. We go bonkers, obviously. Um, especially of all teams to do it, to do it against uh, Virginia. 
So that was in, that game was insane being on the sideline to see how that all unfolded. But then as soon as you win, it's like we have to be prepared for less than 48 hours later for a Duke team that has always kind of been a, a, a thorn in our side for the NCAA tournament. I think they had beaten us in five since 2010 NCAA tournaments, including two national title games. So it was like we uh, we kind of, you know, got a little bit on Virginia finally, and then we had to face Duke, the team that had always just stood in our way. So, and then going into the final game, um, yeah, we jumped out to a huge lead. Entman was unbelievable. Uh, we scored that goal from midfield. I think that's probably the one you're referring to where he went bar down where the goalie was out because they were doing like a 10 man ride, which is basically a full court press. If you want to, if you don't know that much, you know, a ton of lacrosse. So Quinn McCann scores from midfield, which was cool because he was a, um, he's a Philadelphia native. So to play his last game ever in Philadelphia, growing up an Eagles fan at the link was pretty cool. Um, they come back, they tie it. And then we just kind of took over in the late, very late third and then early fourth. And um, was just so proud of all the guys and so happy to see all their hard work and, and stuff uh, pay off um, with the first title in program history. And it was also really cool for coach Corrigan. I mean, this was his 35th year as head coach and he's done everything. And, you know, at Notre Dame, except for winning the title. And then he got the title, which is just really happy for him. It's been mm-hmm. awesome for everybody. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Um, to be able to be a part of the first title in program history. Uh, uh, obviously you connect with the players, you talk with them throughout the season. Um, and the, the background, uh, behind the scenes stuff that you, you're a part of at Notre Dame, um, is, uh, uh, pretty cool. So, um, and also, obviously, congratulations uh, on being a part of the national championship team there. Um, I didn't score any goals. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, uh, you're still part of it, though, man. Okay. Uh, we always uh, do rapid fire with our special guests. And um, so we got four random fun questions to ask you. Uh, I'll start off with the first one here. What are your top three moments in your career? I think winning the national championship for any place is always going to be, you know, one of them. So both at Notre Dame and at Oklahoma, that team went undefeated for men's gymnastics. So winning those were, were unbelievable. Um, Third, I don't know. I think, I don't think it's necessarily a moment for the number three thing. I think it's just all the great people and athletes and, you know, broadcasters that you get to work with along the way, whether you're at Mercer, whether you're at, Oklahoma or Notre Dame, um, just a lot of great and awesome people that you connect with and that you become friends with for, for life. So I'd say that's the third thing. I know that's not really, that's kind of cheating, but that's mm-hmm. what I would go with. We'll take it. <laughs> so out of the two national, this is probably tough to answer, but which national championship team is your favorite? I mean, growing up a Notre Dame fan, yeah. I have to. Notre Dame, but those I, that's to take nothing away from Oklahoma gymnastics. Those guys were unbelievable. I've said this before. I could work in this profession for 50 more years, and there's probably never a, a more dominant team than that Oklahoma team. They went undefeated. They shattered the NCAA scoring record multiple times. Like It was one of those teams where – this is probably the only team I've ever had this with, where every single um, – not game day because it was meets for them, but every single meet I could write – probably 70% of the recap beforehand 
And because yeah. uh, I just had to fill in scores. Like it didn't matter what the other team did. We were going to win. And we did it every time. But saying that, I mean, the Notre Dame team was yeah. pretty special, especially being part of the first one with the coach and the players. And it was really cool, especially being at the, I mean, being at the final four, like after we won, there was a big tailgate and the amount of former players that were there is, was astounding. Like so many guys who I'd worked with, whether I just worked with them a year, my first year, some come through the program for four years. They graduated either a year or two ago. Um, just it was really cool to see everyone back there. Like, and that national title game was special because literally like just the two teams coming on the field, you could tell that it was going to be a very pro Notre Dame crowd. And it was throughout. Um, but yeah, the amount of special players, you know, friends of the program, former student athletes, uh, there was really cool. No doubt. That's, that's awesome. That wasn't a very rapid answer, but no, it's, it's good. <laughs> I tell you what, Notre Dame did show up for the Final Four, didn't they? Yeah, and also, if you look at the numbers, the TV numbers, it was like a 30, I want to say 36% bump from last year for the championship game. I think it was like the average, it was like a 750,000 people watched it, and it peaked at around 900 and some thousand, so it almost got to a million, which is a huge number for ESPN for that game, so Notre Dame always shows out. Mm Mm-hmm. That's yeah, I I did tune in for that one. Uh, it was it was fun to watch. It was really fun to look at like the mentions and even talk to some people who are like I've never watched lacrosse in my life. I don't know anything about the sport, but now I'm a fan. Like I loved watching it. It was physical. It's fast. It's really exciting. And it's kind of how I've become over my time because I I covered lacrosse at two other places. Um, Defiance first year program, which was barely a version of lacrosse and then mercer small d1 which was decent lacrosse but when i got to notre dame and really learned it and saw you know how unbelievable these athletes are it's really uh vaulted to one of my favorite sports well that's a good segue to my next or next question what are your top three sports to watch we're talking like in person on tv or uh you could take it either way on okay uh, I mean, I love both the teams that, so it's one of those things when you work in college athletics for this amount of time, it's hard to pick like a favorite sport because you're around the athletes and you mm-hmm. see all the hard work they put in. So anything that they're doing, like you can get behind, get really excited about in saying that it'd probably still be football. It'd probably be football, basketball, and soccer, but lacrosse is right there for me, especially in person. And if it's a really big game, you could move some of those around. So I'll I'll go with four and go with those four. But uh, if you would have told me when I was in high school that I'd be a big soccer and lacrosse fan, I'd have been like, who? (laughs) (laughs) No chance. And now I love both of those. But definitely football and basketball. And the one that's probably slid a little bit for me is baseball. It's kind of taking a backseat to a lot of others, but it is what it is. Well, we always end with the same question with our guests. Um, and the question is, what's your favorite restaurant in the South Bend area? Oh, in the South Bend area? I was like, anywhere? Um, uh, well, yeah, South Bend area. Since you're in South Bend. I've only been here once, but my friends took me, I think it's for my birthday last year. They kind of surprised me and took me to a place called Eat Number Six Scratch Kitchen, and it was really good. It's on Portage Avenue. It's an old 
um, it's an old fire station that they turned into a restaurant and the menu changes like daily cause they make everything fresh, but that place was really, really good. I, I loved everything I ate there that day. Wow. So it's called eat number six scratch kitchen. Yep. Okay. You're going to spend a little bit of coin, but it's good. It's really good. Well, if, I don't know too many people that eat out as much as you do because you, you're constantly eating out. So I, I, I thought this, you're if anybody's gonna have a good answer, you're going to have a good answer because you know like all the good spots in this. I area. give you a spot in London if you want to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you were you were there this year, right? Well, yeah. After we won the national title, we went to um, we went to we flew into Berlin two days later, three days later, because we won on Monday and we flew out Wednesday. Got landed on Thursday morning, so we went to Berlin. Are there for a couple of days, played a ton of lacrosse against other national teams, like Germany's national team as they're getting ready for the world championships. Uh, and then we went to Prague, which is probably one of my favorite cities I've ever been to in uh, Czechia or Czech Republic, whichever you say. Uh, we were there for a couple of days. Then we went to Salzburg in Austria. And then the, the, te- the part with the team w- uh, wound up in um, Munich. It was about a 10-day trip. And then I extended it and went to London for like a week, just uh, for a nice little vacation. So, well, well, so just vacation. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. It was fun. It was fun. You're you're a, a world class traveler. I don't know about world class. <laughs> I've traveled to Europe a couple times. But, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, if I ever feel an urge to go to Europe or especially uh, London, uh, I'm have to pick your brain. I think you should call Caleb Hatfield. You know, another one of our. Former people instead. Yes, like, yes. That guy's the real world traveler. <laughs> <laughs> he has to travel a few places, hasn't he? Yes, a few. Yeah, I go with him over me. Well, last question here. Um, the World Cup is coming up uh, later this year, twenty twenty three. How excited are you? It's. I'm excited. I just wish the. I mean, it's awesome that it's obviously the World Cup, so I'm not anything against where it's played, but it's going to be hard to watch when games are coming on at 3 or 4 or whatever in the morning uh, since it's in New Zealand and Australia. I'm really interested to see how the USA looks. We have like a mix of veterans and then a lot of newcomers. This is really, I think, the year where we're changing of the guard, and it's going to be interesting to see because I also think more and more Europe especially – is catching up to us because they're finally actually investing in women's soccer, which is awesome to see. Um, England's put a ton of money into it. Spain has put a ton of money into it. France, Germany, all those teams are like up and coming powers that I think it's going to make it more competitive, which is a great thing for the women's game rather than Mm -hmm. penciling us into a final and maybe get a Brazil with Marta who, you know, she retired, but we're a Canada team with uh, Sinclair. Um, so I'm really excited to see how we end up doing, but, uh, I'm excited to see also the the newer players for the U S the younger ones up and coming. Yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't a prediction. Hopefully we win. (laughs) Hopefully we do. We'll have to maybe catch a game if it's on a a decent time here, not three in the morning or something like that. Yeah, it's going to be. You'll you'll probably be watching it though. Maybe I'll watch highlights for sure. (laughs) I'll watch highlights at least, but we'll see. Um, and shout out to another Dane player. There's a women, there's a woman's player from the Irish team who's playing the World Cup. Her name's Kiki Van Zandt. And she's playing in uh, 
for Jamaica. So she actually scored the winning goal to send Jamaica to the World Cup. Wow. Uh, she came How off awesome. the bench. She came off the bench, scored the goal. So that'll be the other rooting interest for all of us uh, Notre Dame people. Yeah, we'll have to root for, for Jamaica just just for that fact right there. Exactly, exactly. Well, Robbie, it's a pleasure to have you on the Will and Aaron show. Uh, we've really enjoyed our time with you. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll have to have you back on as a return guest at some point. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. Moving on to topic number five, and that is school logo tournament. We posted this on our social networks on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So you should have seen this. Uh, starting this week is the school logo tournament. Local schools will vote from Monday through Sunday at 5 p.m. is the deadline for Sunday. The school with the most votes will advance to the next round. Now, the voting will happen on our Twitter account, uh, so you can't vote on Instagram, can't vote on Facebook, just on Twitter. Um, the seeding is based on enrollment size, so the larger schools getting the higher seeds. Uh, there will be a prize for the winning school, and we will announce what that prize is later on a different episode. Voting is only on, uh, like I said, Twitter account, so spread the word. Get everyone to vote for your school logo. Well, Aaron, this has been a great episode. Uh, we I can't believe we've done 46 episodes already. Can you believe yeah. it? We're almost to 50. Something, man. It's been a fun ride. It has been. We're almost done with season one. Uh, season two will kick off in August. We'll officially start the new season there with football and stuff. Uh, so this concludes episode 46 Thank you for listening to the Will and Aaron Show. If you are enjoying our podcast, we would love for you to rate and share our podcast. Leave a review. It will help us out tremendously. You can follow us on Twitter at Will Aaron Show. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Will and Aaron Show. And you can like The Will and Aaron Facebook page. Thank you. Thank you to you. We now have listeners from seven different countries, 26 states across America, and 92 U.S. cities. Tune in next time as we discuss more local college and pro sports. <laughs>